to start the cycle of mayhem all over again, and this time David doubted they would be able to fight it off. There was only so much killing that could be done. Catrick Garrison was still regrouping after the infection had decimated its numbers days earlier, and pulling itself together despite the sudden absence of all high command. That vacuum told David all he needed to know. High command had known what was coming, and they had evacuated like cowards in the night, slipping away like phantoms, leaving the grunts to fend for themselves. In the end, there were a few who thought themselves important, but had been left behind to die. As it turned out, with the exception of a very select few, they were all grunts. All forms of communication had been cut off, but even if they still had phones and satellites, David was certain there would be nobody listening. The radio still seemed to work, but the frantic transmissions they sent were met with static and silence. The infection was part of a coordinated attack, and those at the top of the military had either been a part of it or had fled. David knew they weren't the type of people that fled, not from anything. He grimaced as he thought about the motto of the Royal Air Force, the one that one of his buddies used to repeat ad nauseum, rise above the rest. As it turned out, that motto had been cut short. They had omitted the part which said, and then cut them loose. What was left at Catrick after the bloody battle with the plague-ridden creatures? A few broken regiments that had served on active duty, a lot of trainees and some families, would still have represented a formidable force. If they could shore up their defences, they might stand a chance of putting together a retaliation that could attempt to take back North Yorkshire one mile at a time, to at least push the infection back. The garrison represented a safe zone, possibly the only one that remained in the UK, and it had to be maintained. The infection had to stay out. Despite the chaos and confusion within the garrison following the collapse, that was one thing everybody agreed on. That meant hypervigilance. Letting someone in, human or not, was a risk. David and Larry were just two of the snipers manning the boundary. They had orders. But also, an unusual level of autonomy. This was David's call, no one else's. Sorry, buddy, David breathed, focusing on the figure shuffling toward them. His figure found the trigger. And suddenly, his scope was empty. What the hell? He shot a glance at Larry, brow furrowed, and got a bemused shrug in return. Returning to the scope, he swept the area where the ghostly figure had been. The spectral image had melted into the night. The thermal now offered nothing beyond the blank, dark canvas of the Yorkshire countryside. Great, he thought. Now I'm losing my... He didn't get to finish the thought. At his side, Larry croaked and gurgled, and when David's eyes travelled to the right, they settled on a sight his mind couldn't comprehend. The figure he had been watching through the scope stood over the two men. It had somehow travelled hundreds of yards in an instant. It was huge, over seven feet tall, deformed, bulbous, grinning. Its enormous hand was buried in the small of Larry's back, withdrawing slowly, with a sound like flames licking at wet wood, tearing out Larry's spine. David began to roll onto his back and tried to bring up the cumbersome sniper rifle that he knew would be worse than useless at such close quarters but it was plucked from his grasp even as his fingers began to squeeze the trigger, so quickly that his mind thought he was still clutching it. Like the ghostly itch of an amputated limb, his fingers squeezed on nothing. The creature. There was no other word for the thing. It looked like a grisly parody of something that had possibly once been human, but wasn't any longer. Dropped a foot like an anvil onto David's chest, crushing him into the soft, wet earth and lifted Larry's dripping spine into the night like a trophy. Licked it. David's mind retreated from the horror, cowering. He felt like crying for his mother to save him. 
Years of training, years of combat, nothing had been enough to prepare him. His thoughts froze like a cornered animal as his sanity began to collapse. The creature dropped Larry's severed spine and looked down at him, and David saw utterly inhuman eyes, saw a dark and terrible future written into the savage gaze, and realised that all that was left now was to pray for a quick death. God didn't listen. 1. This is the end. Darren Oliver shivered a little as the thought crossed his mind. Yet it wasn't the crossing itself that caused the tremor, but the relentless cold. The truth was that Darren had been looking forward to the end for quite some time. Ever since his 60th birthday had lumbered across the horizon, something about that milestone made his bones feel old. 59 hadn't felt that way.